Welcome to Business Steps Up, a presentation of HIALI, one of the recognized voices in Long Island business. We'll focus on cutting-edge topics important to the Bi-County region and beyond. So sit back, relax, and listen to some of Long Island's most influential business leaders here on Business Steps Up. So good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the HIALI Business Steps Up. Um, this began, actually, um, right when COVID began, and we, we took a look at businesses that very specifically were stepping up through COVID and beyond and really helping out the business community and community at large, and uh, Northwell is one of those companies. So we're delighted to have uh, Dr. Sandra Lindsay. She's the Vice President of Public Health Advocacy at Northwell Health. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Terry. It's great to be with you. Great. So let's start off and just tell us a public health advocate. So what is that and what do you do there at Northwell Health? So public health is very broad. First, I'd like to start off with my what I call my definition of public health. And I think public health is an art and a science of improving health and health outcomes for populations of people. And so that's where I see my role, partnering with some of our larger departments that um, address uh, population health, both nationally and globally, and working collaboratively, collaboratively with them to help the health system understand the needs of our communities from a public health perspective, especially the underserved communities, um, and working collaboratively with our teams to improve the health of these populations. And there are several ways in which we can um, achieve that. Um, education, providing education, awareness, leading um, programs that affect um, uh, our communities in terms of infections, um, as we did during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, providing access to care, access to healthy foods, health screenings, and addressing environmental hazards in our communities, and, and so much more. Yeah, and you know, you should know, Sandra, that in the height of COVID, Northwell was really instrumental with us in doing webinars that had to do with COVID and what the signs look like when um, few of us knew really what it was all about. So they really were a valuable partner and they continue to be a valuable partner with us. So what do you think right now are, and there's a lot of them I know, what, but the biggest um, public health issues are? What do you see going on? So COVID, although we've made tremendous strides, it's almost we're going on three years now since we've been at this. And, you know, we are in a much different place, right? We can go on with our lives um, a little bit better and it seems a little bit more normal than it was. But COVID still poses a real threat to us. So it's still very much here with us. And reports came out earlier this week that there is an uptick, especially on Long Island. Long Island leads the state in the number of new COVID-19 infections, 30% um, higher than the statewide rate. So that's a problem. We're seeing RSV um, overwhelming our hospitals, particularly our children hospital. Um, 
I'm sure you have seen on the news um, our team members at Cohen Children's Hospital and what they're going through and these poor kids who are suffering with RSV. So that is a problem. Um, influenza is on the, the uptick. Um, and so I'm going to take this opportunity to um, just encourage people to get their COVID vaccines and their flu vaccines, also their boosters if they haven't done so already, because those viruses still pose a threat to us. Mental health conditions, Terry, is another big problem. There are reported increases in the number of adults and children who are experiencing anxiety and depression, especially after um, since the COVID-19 pandemic, because we're still here. And there is a lack of mental health services, access to care, um, affordability. There is still the stigma that prevents a lot of people from getting the help that they need. Um, health disparity is another threat in our communities. And at Northwell, we're strengthening community partnerships, ensuring that we have a comprehensive view of what our communities look like and their vulnerabilities to be able to identify gaps in care and then formulate strategies to, um, to tackle these, these problems. Our goals um, are to expand access to care by serving quarter million people annually in underserved areas in communities, lofty goals, but we can do this. <laughs> We're made for this at increasing social determinants of health screening uh, by 50% by 2030. Yeah. We have started um, to make, to form important um, relationships with our community leaders, faith-based leaders, formal and informal leaders through our work during COVID-19. Um, since the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, in communities especially that were hit hard, we have um, taken care of, provided care to 320,000 patients and counting since the pandemic. We have um, performed more than 3 million diagnostic tests for the virus and administered more than 750,000 vaccinations. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. So we, we are our teams um, and kudos to our, th our teams just want to, you know, recognize them and thank them for all the hard work. This, these statistics that I provided, um, you know, could not be done without a dedicated and committed health Right, right. And listen, I mean, as we went through COVID, it was more obvious than ever that those healthcare workers, all of your healthcare workers, are our heroes, right? So, um, so as we look at that, let me go back just a few steps. So, December fourteenth of twenty twenty, you were the first, right? Um, you became the first person in the United States to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. I have to say, were you a little nervous about it? Not at all. I Not was all. ready. I was so ready. <laughs> Good for you. Because people that I spoke to who knew that happened, 
said to me, I wonder if she's nervous, like if she'll have a reaction or if she's not sure because no one else has really taken it. So how did that come about, Sandra? So um, having worked um, on the front lines during some of the dark, what I call the darkest days of my life and career, and, you know, seeing all the harm and the suffering and the grief that um, my staff was going through, families were going through, um, not able to see their loved ones. Um, it, it was so dark and devastated, uh, devastating that some days I didn't even remember my, my journey home. And this was seven days a week. Um, so when I heard that, you know, the vaccine was in development, um, I started following it and following the, the science, following the experts, asking questions, reading every credible piece of information that I could find on this vaccine, because I was very scared. Mm. Um, I would take pictures going into work in the morning, send it to my family and friends saying, you know, I'm going in. I, I don't know if I'm coming back out. It was that serious. Mm. And um so when it, I was talking about this nonstop, that I would be willing to get vaccinated, not knowing that I would be the first. Um, and so when um, the vaccines arrived um, in New York and at Northwell, um, my chief nursing officer who knew my intentions reached out to me and asked if I was still interested. And I said, absolutely. And I went in the morning just thinking, you know, I'm just going to get vaccinated and go back to work because that's what I do. I have patients um, and, and staff who are dependent on me to make sure that we're well staffed and resourced to take care of our patients. And um, I got there an hour early and I was just pacing, waiting and waiting at this point, um, Terry, it felt like a huge boulder was just sitting on my shoulders. I felt a personal responsibility as a leader for my staff to ensure that they were safe. And um, every day I walked in, I just saw the fear in their eyes. I didn't have answers for them as there was some little known about what was going on. But I made sure I was transparent and shared what I knew. Um, and so when that shot pierced my arm, it just felt like this huge boulder just rolled off my shoulders. And then it was announced that this is the first shot administered in the United States. And it still didn't even click to me what this, what this meant. Um, I was just focused on going back to work. And that's when... Uh, no, 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 not so fast. You know, people want to talk to you about what this means to you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, talk about number one, courage. But number two, you know, what you did, I think, for those of us who watched and saw and was um, you put everybody else's mind at ease. So you said fear. There was fear all over the place. I can't even imagine in a hospital setting what you were seeing. I cannot even, I had friends that were nurses and they would tell me just horrific stories. So, you know, to really step up to the plate and do that, I, I hope you really understand what you did. I mean, that was a very big deal. It's, it's starting to sink in. <laughs> it's starting to sink in, especially, you know, when people come up to me and just this week, 
um, I was just walking through the halls of one of our buildings and there was this loud scream. Um, this, this couple recognized me and I had my mask on, not in uniform, but they kept saying the eyes, the eyes, we, we can't get away from the eyes. And there was this loud scream, a lot of crowd come running to see what was going on, but they were, they were just so, so grateful and appreciative and, as, exactly as you said, helping them to make that decision, overcoming fear and putting their mind at ease. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So did that lead to, I know that in July of 2022, where they associated you were awarded with the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Biden. Did those two things connect? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom um, by President Biden um, for my advocacy and work during the pandemic and for my courage and stepping up and saying, I, you know, I want to get vaccinated, not knowing what would happen after that. Um, you know, I weighed the risk and the benefits. And to me, the benefits outweighed the risk at that time. And I still believe that's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Yeah. So tell us about that interaction with the president. Tell us about the day. And so, you know, the whole experience was so surreal. It's not anything that anyone that I know aspired to to achieve that one day I want to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And to think that, you know, this young lady from Jamaica who had dreams of just becoming a nurse and serving would get recognized in this way the highest civilian honor um, to any American, it's just mind blowing. But when I got the call, um, first of all, I said, I thought it was a prank call. Um, I said, what? Um, Immediately, Terry, my mind just went to, you know, I I felt very proud. Um, But what it means or what it will mean um, for, for, people that I identify with as a black woman, an immigrant, um, a healthcare worker, um, you know, a woman, um, what this will represent for them and what my work and everything I stand for will represent for them for generations to come. So when I went to the White House and met the president, very warm, authentic, caring human being, just kept thanking me and giving me the message to go back and thank healthcare workers just for their commitment and for their hard work. He shared with me his experiences, having lost his his wife and, and son and how healthcare workers took care of him. And it was just a, a really great exchange. Um, I look back at the pictures and you know, I stood on the stage and I really just soaked all of it in. And I stood there a little longer because I, I want, as I said, you know, people, the, the people that I identify with to just see me and see the possibilities from yeah. that experience. What a role model you are, I have, I, I have to say. And uh, no doubt that was a defining moment for you. It had to be, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. So you've seen it all kind of the worst, right? Through the COVID and 
And the best, which is, um, you know, now that you're a shining role model, I think for other people is wonderful. Um, talk to us a little bit about, I'm going to shift gears a little because our audience typically are people from business, right? So talk to us a little bit about some of the practices you would recommend employers um, look at when when they're trying to keep health and wellness in the forefront. And let me just say, Sandra, that we've done a lot of educational things on this. And one of the things that educators, um, excuse me, employees get, I think, is that there is a direct connection between productivity in the workplace, right? And healthcare and wellness. So talk to us about that, some best practices. Oh, absolutely. A healthy workforce is an asset to any employer. So that should be first and foremost, a priority. And health should encompass everything from physical, mental health, addressing stressors such as um, financial stressors, which um, then impact health in a negative way. Um, So some of the ways that we are showing our employer employees um, at Northwell, how we are committed to their healthcare, um, health and wellness is we're addressing and offering services to address their their mental health. Um, We uh, launched uh, a center for, uh, it's called our Center for Traumatic Stress, Resilience and Recovery to support Northwell employees and also their families. And the services offered by this center helps us to adapt to traumatic stressors and to build resilience to be able to deal with those stressors. Um, We offer uh, personal and family leave options for people to be able to take care of self when they need to step away and get healthy and come back and also to care for loved ones. We offer um, annual wellness credits in terms of dollars um, for, um, in exchange for employees to choose healthy options um, and healthy habits such as annual physical assessment, annual vision testing, annual mammogram, quitting smoking, choosing healthier food options. We also make it fun. Um, also, we have what we step challenges, and those come with a healthy reward at the end. Um, and it also helps us, we, we do it in teams. So it helps us to, with team building and feeling that love and belonging and support of a team. We offer workshops on weight management, I mentioned before, quitting smoking, breastfeeding support for, for new moms, emotional and spiritual um, being um, resources, we offer vaccination programs. And we not only ask, set up sites and ask our employees to come to us, we go to them. We meet our our employees where they are. Um, We create wellness centers in some of our facilities so that wellness can go closer to the front lines of care. We have Zen rooms in, in some of our facilities just to give employees a respite space where if they're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, they can go there. We sometimes, depending on, on the crisis, I know during COVID, we had our EAP, Employee Assistance Program Coordinators, 
uh, on site where we didn't have to go far. We didn't have to call. They were there for us um, set up. We have chaplaincy services. Um, we offer flexible work schedules to be able to give people that work-life balance that's necessary. And, you know, we have a culture, a supportive and inclusive, we support an a, a inclusive environment where people can bring their whole self to work. Um, and I think that is truly, truly important. I was invited to um, share my perspectives on what healthcare workers need right now. And one of the things that I said, that's simple, it doesn't cost anything, is gratitude. An ounce of gratitude can go a long way. Um, I remember during the peak of the pandemic, our CEO, um, President and CEO, Michael Dowling, was in our facilities, putting on his PPE. Our board of trustees were out, um, donning and doffing PPE, just to say to our staff, thank you. We see you, we value you. And I can't tell you how much that means to to us oh it goes a long long way just in general it goes a long way and Absolutely. Uh, yeah we've had the pleasure of um meeting michael dowling he's just the epitome of a great leader absolutely, absolutely. You know, everything i think that you spoke about as i listened to it sandra i think to myself really how that can be applied in any business is giving employees the time that they need right to be able to, whether it's to regroup or see someone if they have a mental health issue or make it fun, it's it's really empathizing with people. It's really building systems that really um, can help them take the time that they really need, right? Absolutely. And our, our CEO is, is very big on that. It's um, no wonder just this week he was named um, the, the number one. Yeah. by modern healthcare as the most influential person in healthcare in America. Um, you know, he has so many great characteristics, but caring about employees um, is top priority for him and um, for a nurse and executive as well, and um, Maureen White. And that's why caring for employees is among her strategic priority on her strategic initiative um, uh, this year and every year to create spaces for employees that help them to recover from whatever they're going through throughout the day. And it could be just, you know, in terms of paint, lighting, um, a coffee machine, um, just a place for them to, to just get away from what is happening in their environment, put their feet up, drink a cup of coffee, have some water and just relax, regroup, and then be able to go back out and care for patients. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, um, both what you do and Northwell as a system has served Long Island so well, so, so well. You know, I see it's close to 2.30 and that's what we said before we got on air, this goes so quickly. So I do have a final question, I think, and it relates to the way you began when you talked about, you know, healthcare workers and them being heroes. And, 
you know, what are some of the things that you believe Long Island has to do, either from a policy standpoint or from a business standpoint, to attract more healthcare workers? What do we need to do? Because obviously the demand is there, right? That's a great question, Terry. <laughs> Um, because we do need healthcare workers. Um, the, the statistics um, of the deficit of healthcare workers right now when looking ahead to 2030 is mind-blowing. We have about 3 million nurses practicing right now, and it's expected that about a million of those nurses will retire or leave the profession um, by 2030. It's also... Um, there is also a gap in our physician pool. By 2034, it's predicted that we'll need anywhere from 38,000 to 124,000 physicians. And so we need to make it easier for, um, for, for candidates to get enrolled in these schools. Um, and we need more facilities. To, to train candidates who are interested. We need to make it easier. We need to um, also take care of our faculty who are um, gonna be teaching these students, educating these students. Um, the faculty, we have an aging faculty workforce and also a lot of them are not interested because the pay is not that great and not many incentives. You can have a new graduate nurse coming out of school and in a year or two, or even just coming out of school, make more than an educator. That is just not fair. And that's not going to keep educators, pe keep people wanting to go into academia. Um, so we need policies around that. We need to showcase and highlight that um, healthcare careers are still very rewarding. Um, you know, just having the privilege, and I call it a privilege, to be able to take care of people. It, it, it is very, very rewarding. But I also want to highlight that in healthcare, it is not just nurses and doctors that we need. We need IT specialists. We need um, engineers. Um, we need physical therapists, occupational therapists. And I also want to highlight that we at Northwell, the way we are addressing that, one of the ways we launched our um, scholarship program earlier this year, Northwell Community Scholars Program, where we are investing $5 million over five years that will focus on health and um, social inequities impacting hundreds of students at four of our Long Island school districts. The program will address education, health and wellness. Um, and also the goal is providing a pathway to employment after graduation, supporting them with um, mentorship, um, uh, coming into our organizations and exposing them to the different careers in healthcare. Us, people like us, our senior leaders, going out to these schools and, you know, engaging with the kids and showing them what is possible. And I enjoy doing that. I enjoy giving back and just sharing my story and my journey in hopes of inspiring, um, you know, others. Yeah, that is a, a great program. How do people
find out about that scholarship program? If you uh, type in your browser, just Northwell, Northwell Community Scholars Program, um, there's a host of information there with also um, a link to where you can get more information and apply to the program. All right, great. So in our last few minutes, um, I know Health uh, Northwell is doing a lot of work in the mental health space with with school districts and, and kids who have really gone through COVID and it's just been a rough road, right? My son is in high school. I, I see all him and his friends, they just struggle um, with either the coming back to the person-to-person communication, or as you said before, that stress management, that anxiety management. So I know Northwell recently just did something that they're helping schools out, am I correct? Right, so we have our um, Zucker um, Hospital, that's our um, behavioral health, mental health hospital, and our, um, especially for our children, we have um, some of our physicians who are trained through a project called Project Teach, and that gives, because of the um, the decrease in the number of providers who can address all the mental health issues that we are seeing right now. Project Teach and a lot of our physicians are trained in that. Um, give pediatricians the um, tools and resources that they need to treat um, children who are having issues in their offices instead of referring them to a child psychiatrist wow. that will take a long time for them to get connected. So they're well-equipped um, in, in, in treating these, these children and um, also connecting them to community resources. Um, as I mentioned before, our Center for Traumatic, for Stress, um, Traumatic Stress, Resilience and Recovery also support not just Northwell Health employees, but also their families who are having um, any kind of mental health issues. Um, you know, I as I wanted to set the example for my staff, and also sometimes you don't know how we we've been through a traumatic period, and not knowing how it will affect you in the future, it may not be affecting you right now because we're still we're still going right. But I went through that program and I can tell you it is fantastic. It is fantastic. So we, we are doing a lot. We have a lot of resources. We're appreciative to Long Islanders who come to us um, and given us the opportunity to take care of you. I hope that you will continue to choose us and um, we'll continue to just work in diligently to make sure that we are keeping our communities healthy and safe. Wow, thank you. And as I said before, thank you for being such a valued partner uh, to Long Island and well, well needed, well, well needed. And it's 2.30 already, how did that happen? How did that happen? Time flies when you're having fun, Terry. Thank okay. you for having me on oh, today. Thank you, Sandra. And to everyone who's listening, the happiest and the safest of holidays. And we will see you again in January. Thanks so much. My pleasure. 
Business Steps Up is a production of HIALI, one of the recognized voices for business on Long Island and a powerful voice and economic engine for regional development. Check back for more interesting, thought-provoking episodes with some of Long Island's most influential business leaders. For more information, call us at 631-543-5355 or log on to hia-li.org.